0: I don't care what they call me. They can call me a Marxist, a Jesuit, a Flat Earther, a Trotskyite, a Vegetarian. I don't care what I'm called because I know why they call us names. It's because they dare not face
1: our market. Hello and welcome to the Most Moderate Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Farrell, and today I'm joined in Germany Uh, By Alex and Esten. Hello. Hello. And in Spain, Miguel. Hi. And today, we'll have a brief discussion of some news items we found interesting and important. And then we'll transition into an interview with our very own Esten about world federalism and particularly uh, his organization, uh, the Young World Federalists. Miguel, you brought us a news story.
2: Okay, uh, I'll talk about Portugal, just maybe because uh, they are very close here, and so whatever happens there is kind of reverberates here. So on Sunday, there's a presidential election in Portugal. Uh, First things first, Portugal has what's called a semi-presidential system, which means that the president is neither super powerful, not just a a, staff a figurehead a figurehead it's n- neither of the two is somewhere in between so they are not the american president or the german president so yeah it's it's a bit of an ad hoc system okay so first the incumbent president uh, marcelo revelo de sousa from the center-right social democratic party is expected to win really in a landslide perhaps uh he will even avoid a runoff a runoff would happen if Nobody gets 50% of the vote and he is polling at like 55 or 60%. But the most interesting and perhaps the most worrying, definitely the most worrying aspect of the election, is that the far-right candidate André Ventura is consistently polling in third place. Mm. Ventura is the candidate for the Euroskeptic and Anti-Immigration Chega Party. Chega translates as enough, more or less. Mm. Uh, and... Tied with Ventura is Sana Gomez of the center-left Socialist Party. Uh, maybe she's just a bit ahead, but anyway, Ventura it, Ventura is polling at maybe like 10 or 12%, so it isn't, you know, it isn't a major force because Trevelo de Souza is just beating everybody by so much that right. it doesn't really matter what anybody else gets. But still, it's not great. Uh, Perhaps unsurprisingly, in the middle of a pandemic, a lot of voters are choosing to cast their votes from home. There will be record numbers of mailing ballots and also probably an exceptionally low turnout. So, you know, it remains to be seen if the results are representative of trends in Portugal, or they are just a one-off thing because of the pandemic and because the incumbent is going to win with such a margin. Uh, Portugal faced relatively well the first wave of Covid but now it is a very badly hit country and likewise it had until now managed to avoid the rise of the far right but Sunday's election may be the beginning of the end for that.
1: I'm unfamiliar with Portuguese politics so in your opinion what would a victory for the incumbent uh what's their foreign policy like if if you know uh,
2: Uh, So they are part of the European People's Party, I believe, so they are just your general, like, conservative right. Uh, Yeah, conservative party. Mm -hmm. I don't particularly know a lot about their foreign policy, so I'm not going to say just uh, say something that the European People's Party
1: kind of gives you a sense of where they are. So thank you for that. Uh, Did you have another story for us?
2: Yeah, I did so i don't know if you have heard of COVAX
3: that's the uh, the WHO's like mission to distribute yeah. the vaccine
2: yeah exactly so uh it's part of the program called the ACT accelerator uh the access to COVID-19 tools accelerator it was launched in april by the world health organization And the idea, and I will just read you now because uh, because I think it's interesting, is bringing together governments, global health organizations, manufacturers, scientists, private sector, civil society and philanthropy, with the aim of providing innovative and equitable access to COVID-19 diagnostics, treatments and vaccines. So it sounds great. Mm -hmm. But it's failing already. Uh, Because, (laughs) well. Because most countries uh, are not really pitching in as much as they should. Sure. So COVAX is short $2.8 billion for 2021. And many countries are reaching uh, bilateral agreements with the vaccine manufacturers in order to get their own supply of vaccines instead of pitching into this common fund. The idea is that uh, countries would pitch into the common fund and then. Uh vaccines would be distributed based on need, not on country income. So lower mm-hmm. income countries would receive their fair share of vaccines. But of course, if countries don't actually put their money where their mouth is, uh it doesn't happen. So lower lower income countries are not don't do not have vaccines, partially because of that and partially because like no uh none of the approved vaccines is uh, within the COVAX portfolio. So they will have to wait until other vaccines are authorized. But even then it remains to be seen whether there will actually be vaccines for many of these countries.
1: Wait, are you telling me nation states are undermining rational global governance? Who would have thought?
2: I know Mm -hmm. it sounds crazy, but yeah. Yeah. It's almost like
1: this news story is just why we should have a world government.
2: Yeah. Uh just last Monday, uh World Health Organization Director General uh Tedros Adhanom Hebreyesus. I hope I'm pronouncing that at least somewhat correct.
1: Better than I could. Yeah.
2: Uh, he said that uh the world is facing like catastrophic moral failure and mm. implored countries to stop reaching these bilateral agreements with vaccine manufacturers instead of uh with instead of through COVAX. Mm-hmm. The silver lining, if there is one, and praise is unlikely to come from this podcast, I think, to the Biden administration. But at least now that they are in power, they will join COVAX, which they didn't under the Trump administration. The United States will. Mm -hmm. uh, Anthony Fauci said that. Mm -hmm. And they will also not leave the World Health Organization. Yeah. So, I guess a little bit of good news, but in general, it sounds like uh, things are going to go rather poorly.
1: Yeah, I think Biden is just a, a slight balm to the issues uh, pertaining <laughs> to international politics and the changes we've seen over the last four years. But I am excited that we're rejoining the Paris Climate Accord and, they're su- and rejoining the WHO. And so, may, hopefully... Uh, with the right pressure uh, we can force uh better international cooperation out of this president we'll certainly get more likely to be able to do that with this one as opposed to trump
2: right um,
3: i i wanted to say did you hear that the the who chief said something about some countries have only gotten 25 vaccines total yeah
2: yeah uh, yeah, uh yes i have it, that yes 25 doses have been administered in like one of the countries and <clears> of, of like, like lowest income countries and zero in the rest so oh wow that's good
1: yeah so and <laughs> even in rich nations the rollout has been pretty bad at least here um so in oklahoma you know we're focusing on uh senior citizens over like 65 and with uh you know medical conditions that put them at risk and so we've rolled out like the first uh doses and we ran out and we're like uh, the, the state government was like okay we're going to ask the federal government if we can reach in to the reserves that were supposed to be for the second doses to keep the rollout going and it turns out the Trump administration had already used all of them uh, <laughs> And so we're kind of stuck and we're waiting for the Biden administration to iron out the kinks. Uh, So even in countries that are as selfish and rich as the United States, it's going badly, almost as if there's a more rational way to carry this out. Yeah.
2: Yeah. In Spain, it's also a mess. Uh, In Spain, what's happening uh, every day on the news, you see news of like a mayor of some city who like wasn't supposed to get the vaccine, but they did anyway, or the like. Mm. Uh, health uh director for a particular region that got the vaccine even when they weren't like part of any of uh, any at-risk groups. So that's what's happening here. Mm. And then a country that gets a lot of praise for its vaccine rollout is Israel. Yeah. Without usually mentioning that. They are excluding Palestinians from the vaccine distribution. So that's great.
1: Even the settlements are getting vaccines and not the Palestinian communities surrounding the settlement. That's
3: territory. That's awesome. Um, Love that. That's a good message to send.
1: Yeah. um, Alex, uh, do you have a news story or something interesting?
0: Yeah first thing I want to say, um, just uh, to keep the ball rolling here, um, about uh, Germany and the vaccine di- uh, distribution is uh, that we now have a lot of people from the FDP, which is the um, economic liberal party in uh, Germany and like, uh, their policy mostly consists of deregulation and uh, privatization. And uh, they are now often on the news uh, talking about how Germany should have uh, already bought more vaccines when the vaccines were not already uh, developed. So uh, like um, risk um, investment in into the vaccines. so we now have more. And, and you can see it's only uh, for uh, being popular and gaining more votes in the next election. <laughs> Right. And the thing is uh, that if Germany buys more vaccines, there will be less vaccines for uh, poorer nations. And uh, that irks me every time because um, although it's nice to have vaccines, we can't forget the people around us. And I really hate them for, yeah, just saying we need we, we Germans, we need more, we need more and are forgetting about everyone around us. So, yeah, that's that. And the next thing I want to talk about today is uh, the election of the chairman of the CDU, which is the biggest party or at least the most popular party by votes in Germany. Uh, They've won every election for the last, I think, 16 years now, Mm -hmm. Um, as long as Angela Merkel has been um, chancellor of Germany, at least. And uh, there were three candidates. one, or I want to mainly talk about two of them only today. Um, those candidates are called Armin Laschet and uh, Friedrich Merz. Uh, Laschet is uh, currently uh, uh, the federal, uh, the president of the federal state. Um, don't let me just uh, look it up real quick. Um, yeah, In North right. Rhine-Westfalen, uh, North rhine west I don't know what it's called in English. Bust failure, and, that's right. All right, all right. Um, and he is uh, uh, mainly, uh, he will mainly uh, keep on going the uh, uh, conservative liberal agenda of Angela Merkel, which is not too bad. But of course, uh, you guys know me, I <laughs> uh, don't see it as good as well. And the other candidate, Friedrich Merz, is uh, much more bad to say it uh, in blank terms. Uh, He's... um, He... um, Well, he's a feminist, haven't you heard? uh, uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a strange kind of feminist. Um, He's married a woman, so... At least, yeah. Um, But he he is um, extremely... um, in favor of uh, deregulation and privatization so um a lot of stuff going on here um that's not really good in terms of uh, a united world mm-hmm. and he, uh, the main point i want to make here is uh, that he's been um the uh, what's i gotta look up the english word for that one real quick so uh... um the uh, uh, the board, um, or director for, uh, BlackRock in Germany. So, um, mm-hmm. you could say he's, um, if he comes to power or if he would come to power, he, uh, would be extremely in favor of, uh, banking and privatization mm-hmm. and yeah, the overall, um, i i hope we don't have too many underage viewers but in the all over fucking of the world so um, <laughs> um, at least he didn't get voted for the uh, as the yep. chairman of the cdu so yeah. that's a silver lining right there yep. um the funny thing i want to mention here is uh, that he instantly wanted to become the um, the yeah executive of the or the Minister for Economy in Germany, um, mm-hmm. who, uh, which is of course um, already done by someone else right now, a member and of his that's... party. Hmm. Uh,
1: someone who's a member of his party. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And and uh, you know, um, that's that's a strange move right there. So um, <laughs> I a, yeah, I still I still fear a bit that. Um, that he, because of his sheer will to power, uh, will gain some power and yeah, will, does stuff that's not really good for the future of the whole world. So, um, well, that's my thankfully he's right been there.
1: sidelined for at least now. Yeah, um, yeah. Least, and if um... you guys, listeners, want to hear more about this guy and the little uh, brouhaha over the uh, CDU CSU. Uh, leadership stuff I uh, listened to the last episode of total global or total global uh, which our co-host Esten uh, runs with his fiance it's a spectacular episode. It's called uh oh I don't know how to pronounce it uh, uh Dimitta Dimitta or the middle uh which is what the CDU brands itself as is the centrist party which it's not um and <laughs> so thank you Alex for bringing that up it's a very Yeah, funny I, I just want situation. to give another
0: little yeah. news item um, I've got from Sweden, uh, which is just a short article about um, how an in, um, in, in environmental uh, biologist or conserva- uh, conservation conservation biologist by the name of Doctor Sanjayan, he's from Sri Lanka. I don't know how to pronounce his name correctly, so I hope I I've done a okay job here uh he's uh done some uh observations in Arizona in the Arizona desert uh, where there is uh pumped a lot of water from underground and he's done done some calculations and um mostly told us uh that we will in in 10 years uh, earth or at least in Arizona people will need, will need 140 uh, 40% of the fresh water that's available Um, So, as you all know, we can only use 100% of the (laughs) water and we shouldn't use less, so that's going to be a problem, and I think that uh, directly leads us to uh, our interview with Aston, because uh, we will have to discuss how, in a global society, we can manage our resources in a way uh, that's beneficiary for everyone. Yeah. Well, thanks for the segue.
1: Uh, Eston is the chair, am I correct? Of exactly YWF, correct. Yeah. YWF is the, is the Young World Federalists, anything. if you don't know. Uh, and so are d- we're going to have a discussion about world federalism, about the Young World Federalists, and some broader questions about the movement. Uh, the opinions stated here are Eston's, unless otherwise stated. Um, and so. These do not necessarily reflect the organization, um, and so we'll start off with just the broadest question our movement always has to answer. Uh, but what is world federalism, and in your opinion, why do we need it?
3: Okay, well, uh, thanks for thanks for interviewing me. First of all, I really appreciate the the hot seat and the spotlight. Um, I will say that I've only been a part, I've only been in my role with YWF for, since like September. Sure. Uh, So I didn't found it and I haven't been there for the whole, it's a young organization, it's only a year old. Uh, So yeah, but there's a lot of, there's a bright future ahead and we can get into that. Uh, World federalism uh, is basically um, a system of global governance where the roles or the power is distributed uh, between the local, the national and the global level. um, And it strengthens uh, the global level uh, by sovereignty sharing uh, with the nation states. Um, So in a very similar way that uh, Germany works as a federal country or the United States works as a federal country, all of the states share a little bit of their power with the national level for national issues. And it's the same concept applied to the global level um, with the countries of the world. And that's probably the shortest uh, way. I mean, there's and then you can say democratic world federalism is where there's a world parliament uh, that represents the people of the world or humanity that has the power to vote and enact laws that are then enforceable. Um, So world law through some sort of world court. And then you start to think of yeah the trappings of the state or a world mm-hmm. government um so there's there's a varying degree of of how large uh, a potential world federation might be or how strong it would be uh in our own movement there's debate over what it's um uh what its proper ro- uh role should be um personally and this is not a view of IWF but I really don't like countries at all uh i think that issues should be solved at the local level and then at the global level and um so i'm i'm more or less in favor of the abolition of the nation state but that is not what the other world federalists advocate um they're a little bit more uh broad based and trying to appeal to a broad swath of of people um for sure. From all corners of the world and all sides of the political spectrum. Um,
1: um, and then yeah. why do you think, in your opinion, why do we need world federalism?
3: Okay, yeah, I mean, so <laughs> I think the, the clearly the biggest issue that a lot of the people our age, would, the easiest thing to point to is the climate crisis uh, and the lack of action on that. Um, and then all, and then a lot of other issues. Nuclear weapons is an old one uh, that has kind mm-hmm. of carried the world federalist movement forward through the Cold War. So, um, and then obviously uh, systemic injustice and inequality. Um, that and all the thing that all of these issues share is that uh, they can't be solved with international treaties alone, and that multilateralism and international cooperation are um inadequate tools uh, more of a band-aid or a stopgap um for global issues so i don't hate multilateralism or international cooperation i just think that it's not the right tool for the job
1: for sure uh, some people uh, some more rational than others fear world federation will erode national identity and result in some form of an authoritarian state um, What is the world federalist response to that? And, uh, you know, as you said, you personally wouldn't mind seeing the eroding of national identity, but that may be a hiccup for some, Mm. uh, for some others who aren't Mm. as left as we are. Uh, So what would your response be to those fears? Um, Not necessarily... Strawmaning it on oh, talking about conspiracy theorists like Alex Jones, but you know, rational people uh, engaging in discourse.
3: Although, we do love to joke, we sometimes oh, say yeah. we joke about a, a new world order. Sometimes, we mm-hmm. like of what to call ourselves and what to call what we talk about. We joke about saying we should support a, a new order for the world. What would we, <laughs> what would we call that? <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah, uh, but that's uh, just a
3: joke. Those issue or those fears of a, of a world government are completely founded uh, and hold a lot of water. So um, on the national identity thing, um, that's why we focus so much on the on the word federalism uh, is because uh, inherent in that is the principle of subsidiarity, which says that uh, issues and powers should be um, uh, diverted or shared or given to the most appropriate level, or even the lowest level of of government. So this basically says that the the global world federation would basically be as small as possible. Um, And we even go so far as to argue that a world federation would strengthen national identities, um, because globalization that has no checks, uh, unfettered, uh, global capitalism erodes national identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, we're just saying if we could control it, it might be better. Or and
1: federalism and word federalism gives voices to national identities that are a minority within various uh nations exactly. states. So exactly. And that way it does strengthen. Uh, but it you know, and it is fair to say it do, it will erode some power of individual mm-hmm. nations. And that's not necessarily bad. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. in some cases, as we saw in our discussion over the COVID, uh, vaccination rollout, it's, it may be necessary. Um, mm. so
0: if I yeah. may give my two cents here, it also sure. gives power to, uh, states that are not economically powerful, which is, uh, which is, in my opinion, in on the on the base of the ideal of an egalitarian world, um, extremely needed because uh, we we need to have a system of uh, legislation that secures power all, uh, for those uh, that are not uh, economically powerful, just mm-hmm. to save lives. To put it in some more drastic words,
1: so the far right, as we've already kind of talked about uh labels any attempt at global governance and global democracy as a communistic plot uh so the young world federalists uh, in the broader movement have a specific ideological commitment
3: no the young world federalist does not have a specific ideological commitment uh we see ourselves as a broad uh popular front single issue popular front Um, only focused on a world federation or a global democracy Um, we uh, consciously try not to at this stage in our in our growth uh, we try not to take any positions on pretty much any other issue besides a world federation Um, so we at the same time we try to relate that issue with the real issues that people care about like climate change and inequality um, but it all comes back to a world federation. Right. Um, and this is, this is a decision we've made to appeal to, uh, ideally appeal to a broad base of people. Um, yeah. And so I think the metaphor, and we may have said it earlier about the train or the wine bottle. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that was in a, we did a live stream. Yes. So there's two ways of, there's ways of thinking about this popular front or, uh, is it's like a train, um, uh, we are arguing for the train or something for the, where, okay, yeah, so I, go, I got it. So yeah, and then we're everybody all on a train yeah, and... going
1: <laughs> in one direction and yeah. there's stops along the way. And some of us will get off at some, some points and some of us will keep going. And, uh, the goal is to get on the train and not necessarily determine where everyone should get off.
3: Yeah. Well, there's two trains and one is traveling from Tucson at 200 kilometers an hour (laughs) and then the wine bottle is another one um, with like, we're arguing for the like, whatever you put in the wine bottle, it can be conservatism or socialism, but uh, we're just arguing for the wine bottle. Mm. That was from our Italian uh, advisor guy, Luca. And I really love that. I love the wine metaphor
1: it's so Uh, yeah
3: it's a structural thing we're arguing for it's classic liberalism you know 1848 they didn't have a (laughs) say in their in their politics you know you had a monarch who decided everything and they the people rose up and said hey we should have a say in how our countries are run Mm -hmm. Uh, it's pretty similar to that um it it could i really be seen as like liberalism as a revolutionary force Um, yeah
1: or it like a liberal internationalism as opposed to mm-hmm. socialist internationalism. yeah, um, Which exactly. segues into my next question. We on this podcast are creatures of the left, right? We're s- some sort of socialists of some stripes. Uh, how do you, in your opinion, do you think we as members of the left should relate to the more centrist versions of the world federalist movement?
3: Wow, that's a great question. It's something I struggle with too. I mean, in in writing documents and discussing I we always we talk about different groups of people and and the left is obviously a, the main one. I mean, I'm I'm basically a, an entryist into this and trying to make it as left as possible. Right? Um, to very little success, I must admit. <laughs> um but personally, I really see like if there was a global parliament uh, and people had a say in their affairs. I mean, I think that would be a ideal way um, to enact um, like socialist policies on a global scale. So mm-hmm. there is a lot of members of Young World Federalists, or, or yeah, people involved who um, advocate for universal basic income, um, which I see as connected to um, global public goods, and that, so that gets into mm-hmm. resources that that brought us to this discussion um so seeing the water and the air and the land and and space as, as global public goods and they should be uh distributed uh to humanity not through not via nation states but um yeah to each, to each according to their need um so those policies are possible through a world parliament
1: mm-hmm.
3: um and right now um Basically, your best chance is either international cooperation between socialist parties or socialism in one country. Um, right. Which, as, a, as an internationalist, I don't really... Uh, it's it's hard for me to, to support that vision.
0: Yeah. Well, the world <laughs> revolution could has not come, so... <laughs>
3: <laughs> mm. uh,
0: could, I, could I say a few words here about sure? yeah. um, some... Uh, uh some Go theoretical ahead. background like Go i i did uh in my i just uh, i studied uh political science as a um not my main subject but as an um yeah what's it called in english uh, a minor? Uh, i don't know minor. a minor yeah yeah exactly thank you um and in that uh in that education i had one module on uh, international relations uh, where we uh, got to know uh, the mainstream uh, theories on um, international relations. Uh, the aim of the subject of international relations is um, finding out how to keep peace in an international world. And mm. uh, there are four mainstream te- theories, uh, realism, liberalism, um, transnationalism and social constructivism. And the thing um about Aston's problem with um how to uh, do a proper um yeah how to proper uh properly uh, make the world uh, move together is uh the following uh, namely that uh, liberalism has obviously pro abroad great advances towards world peace like um liberalism predicts uh, that peace uh, will be made uh, through economic uh, integration uh, across borders uh, i can see it here in eastern saxony where uh, right across the border there's the czech republic and because of the open borders and the trade across the border there has been a lot of uh, social integration as well And from a leftist standpoint, I got to say that's not enough because um, another point about liberalism is, or especially neoliberalism, is uh, the wars that are fought for oil in the Middle East. And the point here to be made is that um, we have to move on to a more social constructivist um, notion in uh, international relations which means that on a personal level, we have to relate to foreigners Mm -hmm. to say it uh, like that. Um, And a project that's made uh, towards that already are exchanges between schools in different countries, (laughs) which uh, in my opinion is a great thing, but we have to move that further. And uh, to me, world federalism is a great tool because um, uh, German social... social What's social sociologist sociologist? Thank you, thank you, right there. Um, Erich Fromm predicted that uh, we have to make some kind of cultural council, so we um, can uh, have a democratic um, instrument to yeah aggregate wishes that are not only about uh, economics but also about culture Mm. and. In my opinion, in a global world, we need uh such a cultural council um on a global level and that's my leftist standpoint on world federalism to be honest um is i to, uh, and i do think
1: have... we we'll... oh, continue
0: yeah and in my opinion that's uh that's the thing we instead of um resorting to war in times of crisis we uh have to have this uh often talked about a round table where we can can all take place at and talk about oh. our problems and that's where i see world federalism from a leftist standpoint like yeah. uh, in the project of make of creating this uh, round table on a global level yeah yeah i completely um, agree and I, with the, and we can with the definitely,
3: citizenship stuff and the social aspect of it it's very important.
0: yeah
1: we can uh definitely have many conversations about this particular subject i think it's one mm. that we'll have to revisit yeah yeah because just straightforward we'll get pushback from the left about how broad t- the movement is and so we, we do have to form some kind of conversation about how do we relate as leftists in such a broad uh, movement yeah um but yeah moving on to the most controversial uh topic within the world federalist uh, movement uh, in your opinion which method to to achieve a world federation is most likely to work and the spicier question which one are you not interested in at all or oh, thinks man. the least
3: likely oh jeez <laughs> I hate most of them <laughs> um, so that's probably my biggest problem with the whole thing is that like all of the especially the most likely ones which unfortunately mm-hmm. are like, uh, I don't know, the, the powerful Western countries, you know, so-called so the so-called League of Democracies, Idea, the League of Democracies right. or even like security. There's even some world federalists who really think that like NATO is the <laughs> perfect vessel to, to put forward world federalism so like yeah like expanding nato and making Mm -hmm. it you know and which i understand like thinking about like the monopoly on violence and maybe like yeah if you go there first it might it is efficient i get why they would like really get behind that but in terms of like the morality behind it yeah it's just completely not something i can stand behind world Um, federalism
1: with imperialistic tendencies. yeah exactly
3: (laughs) we force everybody into it i mean it's like trade federation from from star wars so i you know i don't really support that um, per se, it's not my favorite, but we try not to have a again with a like neutrality on a lot of issues. We don't really advocate one pathway over another. Um, I do stress amongst the team and amongst the other like leadership of of young world federalists that we we should because I mean, with Biden, he openly supports the like union of democracies. and we're like, and there's some people who say,' okay, well, if this moves forward, then we should just completely get behind this and really just stop talking about all the other pathways and only advocate this because if it's the most practical or one that moves forward and I say okay yeah maybe but we also need to remember that world federalism needs to be underpinned by some sort of morality and some sort of values Um, and Mm -hmm. uh, international cooperation between democracies is not inherently good Um, so that's one thing that I like we should be the first people to critique um, whatever union of democracies comes out and say, okay, this is maybe a step in the right direction, but it needs to be better.
1: The mm-hmm. um, Same so, way we treat the UN uh, when exactly. it was founded. You know, it's, yeah. a, hey, we'd rather have this than nothing, but this still fucking sucks. Um, we yeah. need more. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, which do you uh, find the most ideal way to achieve World
3: Federation? Yeah, well, going back to what Alex was saying about the like the social aspect of it. So I've talked with another, a very, the most recent addition, um, to the world federalist, uh, community is called the progressive world federalists. And they're out of Canada. Mm-hmm. And they have um, a but...
1: terrific podcast called yeah. uh, progressive world. Listen to it. It's better yeah. than ours, <laughs> but uh, it's been... yeah.
3: So the guy, <laughs> <for long. and laughs> we're, this is the best podcast. <laughs> only listen to this one. Yes. Um, so, the the guy who started that john daniela if i'm pronouncing his name correctly i'm probably not um i won't get into the to why he started it but he but he started it and uh he's he's a cybersecurity expert he's really knowledgeable and 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 kind of i had a nice conversation with him and i talked with him um a little bit on linkedin and stuff and he's a cool guy um but he we had the same conversation um what i asked him what his preferred pathway was because he was really saying like economic and political cooperation just is not the vehicle for world federation. And I said, okay, well, what is? And he said, we should all just see ourselves as global citizens first. Uh, and I might be misquoting him, so don't, don't, don't attack him if you don't like what I'm saying. But um, <laughs> I, I really agreed with the spirit of what he was saying, which is um, that the the social aspect and global citizenship and solidarity with humanity mm-hmm. um, is 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 the most important part of it um and so if we can have if we can foster um solidarity with people all around the world and with the human race as a collective one um that might be the vessel for a mass movement
1: mm-hmm.
3: um and that's that's really what i like and i love the term revolution i listen to too much revolutions podcast with like <laughs> duncan um so i would love to see and i'm even thinking of starting to write something not not anything long um, about just like revolutionary world federalism or something, or yeah, um, yeah, a global democratic revolution. I think that that's that would be ideal, um, mm-hmm. to just kind of in one fell swoop overturn. Well, this was
1: an interesting discussion within the YWF discord of whether people view revolution as a legitimate uh, means to carry out a world federation, and I think a lot of people hit on the thing that some in autocratic countries it may be necessary and that one shouldn't just because of the word revolution necessarily dissociate from it which i found i was expecting a lot worse of a take to be honest uh and i was i was i was like hey at least uh, people who like the de- ywf have some cool views
3: um yeah it's funny then, you can say like a complete transformation of global governments and people are like "Mm-hmm, cool but then if you say revolution they're like oh whoa i don't know right. about that <laughs> like, okay, well,
1: well and well. <laughs> it, it, it makes sense from an organizational standpoint of is that a word we want to associate with but yeah. in common parlance it, it, it's just tone policing and i don't particularly i'm not particularly fond of it mm. um so moving on as we just mentioned the ywf um can you explain uh, what the YWF is and why it was formed?
3: Yeah, uh, so it was formed in November 2019 by, uh, I think at the time, it was like 17-year-old uh, American man, young man uh, named Nicholas Rowe and uh, I an older Australian guy named Daniel Blewett. And they met each other, uh, I think, on Reddit or something. hmm and they tried to get involved with the World Federalist Movement, which is the umbrella organization for the the, the whole World Federalist Movement, hence its name. Uh, but without getting into too much hot water, I'll say it's <laughs> at that time it was hard for individuals to really get involved at, at right. that level, uh, especially like online uh, at the global level. So there's organizations you could become chapter a member of in your nation or city, but those were they're very few and spread out. So if you're not in a city with a chapter of an organization, then you kind of have to either start your own thing and there's no community online to even really engage with at the global level. Um, and so they had the idea to just start their own thing. And they came up with the name and it first started as a Reddit, r slash global tribe. And then uh, shortly thereafter moved on to the Discord channel, which is our main um, organizing and communication, uh, platform or space. Um, yeah. So that's, that's really what it is. And, and we have a, uh, we're a lot going on behind the scenes. We're trying to launch, uh, a a dues paying membership. Yeah. Uh, pretty strong. Uh, yeah. And give people like voting power and join committees, um, to talk about things and to propose policies. Uh, and uh, organize actions and things like that, and obviously raise money. Yeah. Um, and well, last that would night be I was a... actually thinking I want to do a budget for how much creating a world federation would cost. And I was thinking <laughs> like how many employees would it really take in the whole world yeah. to to make world federalism happen? And I was thinking probably be like in the tens of millions of dollars.
1: Well, that would probably be just talking shop here. Probably the best way to get people like involved in more into the organization and less the discord of just like talking of hey mm. now you have a committee you can join and do something about it even if you can't organize in person which yeah. does uh relate to one of my uh last questions here is uh as we head towards the end of the pandemic which has put a stop to a lot of real world organizing uh, what would you like to see uh, to start to take place within the movement, be it YWF as an organization or the broader movement?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, so those are, t- that's two questions. Uh, the, the broader movement, we are working to organize. So a lot of the member organizations of World Federalist Movement, we are, we basically started a working group uh, with one of our advisors in the UK, uh, John Blasto, he's the chair of that. And uh, so we're working on coordinating uh, collaborative action between the World Federalist organizations. A lot of them are very old, both in establishment date and membership. Um, So we're working with them. In YWF, uh, I would like to see us have our, along with paid membership, and and more of like democratic and participatory organization as a whole, because right now it's like a dictatorship of seven people. (laughs) Um, I want to open that up. Uh, and then have a campaign with, and the word, the wording is also really difficult because we've had from a couple of our chapter leads in, in Spain and Indonesia, I just learned this last night, but they, they don't, they don't like the word federalism and they don't use it. It's in their name of the chapter, but they just Mm -hmm. say YWF. So the word federalism has way different connotations in different parts of the world and in different languages. Yeah. Um, so or even really here in important. America. The, exactly. The whole yeah, it has the kind of
1: reactionary and, yeah. uh, kind yeah. of f- field of view. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And so the, the the wording we use is super important, and that's why, as a as an organization that applies the rules of federal federalism uh, in our own structure, like I we don't I or it's hard to separate we and I at this point, but we don't. Um, really force our chapters to use uh, any particular... Right now, they're supposed to have YWF in their name, but I mean, if that's going to hurt us in the long run, to to have federalism in our name, then that I'd say we just change it and advocate one thing. So, getting back to my point, um, I would love to see us have a campaign um, that's like Unite the World or something Mm -hmm. like that. That's not so political or not so wordy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then having actions uh, around the world uh, to show that While we may be a small movement, we're spread out and all Mm -hmm. in lots of different countries. So if we could just get like, I don't want to be too optimistic, but like three or five people in each of our chapters to stand outside of an important building in their city with some signs. And then we could just put all of those and then take a picture. Uh, And then we could have pictures from all around the world of people with, you know, a hashtag or whatever the young kids are using. And and then you know and show the show the solidarity right there that we're a global movement and so that's I think one of the the next steps that I want us to take sure Um,
1: and so as we wrap up this interview I'd like to give the floor to Alex and Miguel if they have any questions they would like to ask
0: Esten starting with Alex do you have any um no i i'm really impressed with your work um i just want to say keep it up and i i really hope i'm i already joined the uh discord the young world federalist discord so i've been lurking that one for a while and also the subreddit that's where um, Brandon and me met and where brendan invited me to join this podcast so i'm thankful for that one as well so everything i want to say here is just check out these uh, resources there are a lot of knowledgeable people around and there's a lot uh, to learn all all around
1: yeah uh miguel do you have any questions or comments
2: uh not really either i also don't have that much to say it has been a pretty exhaustive interview so yeah i will just (laughs) essentially uh sign my name under everything alex just said uh i'm also like i'm i'm also lurking in the shadows in the discord (laughs) server and whatnot uh so yeah no i don't think i have anything else to say
3: i would encourage you guys to join the debate because we have a lot of pretty active uh I mean, I think I think even the skeptics who join, who openly say like this is crazy, you guys are nuts. They they talk more than the actual <laughs> supporters of the idea, so it kind of yeah. is like a constant. So you guys should come out and and say your opinions and be prepared to defend them diligently against. Mm-hmm. I, I, other I, I, keep, I need I keep I need to get through.
1: more active as well. I, I communicate yes. somewhat, but it's
3: it will kill your time. Yeah,
1: I I, from I I have to find. I have to sit down because I know I'm going to start an argument. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, so, Aston, thank you for being so kind during this interrogation. Um, uh, I would like to thank everyone listening uh, for, uh, well, listening. And if you guys have anything to plug. Uh, we'll do so. First, you can follow me at offbrandon's on Twitter. You can follow this podcast at most moderate on twitter. Uh, Miguel, uh, do you do you like to share anything?
2: Uh, I guess you can follow me on Twitter at Miguel somewhere, but nothing else besides that.
1: All right. Esten, where can they find you?
3: Ah, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Eston um which is a terrible last name. All of it's
1: linked in the uh, show notes. It's fine. Yeah,
3: it's all. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, and then that, I post the links to Total Global there. Uh, but you can also just search wherever you get your podcast for Total Global. Mm-hmm. Alex, do you have
1: anything um, you should like shout out? Any of your writing or anything like that?
0: No, I still don't do social media. I will try to set up a blog so I can uh, more openly uh, yeah, publish my essays about uh, the world in general. Mm -hmm. And uh, today I I just like to um, give a video tip to our German listeners uh, that may be here because of me. Thank you, everyone. (laughs) Um, Which is the TED talk of uh, the uh, physicist Josef Gassner from München. Uh, Like three three years back, he already talked in a brief TED talk about uh, the... Uh, implications of our modern society and how a change of us humans is needed as well, as well as uh, an integration on an international level and you guys really should check it out. It's, yeah. It can be found on YouTube, just uh, uh, search for Joseph Gassner TED Talk.